Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to the second hour of Raider Nation Radio's Monday Morning Tailgate. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, we're all here with you on this beautiful and perfect Monday morning broadcasting out of the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. And a lot to get into today as we'll hear some Devontae Adams sound taken in from this weekend's camp here in Las Vegas. All that and more here on r 920. We also have tickets for Joe Rogan at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. We'll give those away at 945. But joining us they're now... They're just giving them away? <laughs> they're giving away with a pair of nachos. It's going to be great. Uh, Matt Derrick is here with us as we go behind enemy lines to get you the intel you can't find anywhere else. Matt does such a great job covering the Chiefs for a long time with ChiefsDigest.com. He's also doing so many different things as an analyst on TV and in radio, including with our friend Saran Petra on the Sunday Sound Off and the author of At Last. Matt, Derek, thank you again for joining us. It's great to hear you. I, I got to ask you, though, when you covered the uh, the Chiefs last week in minicamp, was losing in the AFC Championship last year starting to create kind of like a different mindset for the minicamps because now there's something that they can really fight for and actually part is something in where there's like urgency now to change the direction because I'm sure that was a bad taste in their mouth left over the offseason? Yeah, it, it hasn't been something that's been an overarching uh, message that's really been, you know, that people, that players have been talking about a lot, and coaches have been. Uh, but, you know, Chris Jones brought it up specifically. I mean, even, even without really being asked, I mean, he went straight to it. And, you know, and felt like, you know, he was holding himself accountable. He missed a couple of big plays that he felt like if he'd made it done differently. Um, certainly Patrick Mahomes has talked about it a little bit as far as he feels like it was maybe his you know worst half of football was that second half against Cincinnati. So it's been there. I don't I don't get the sense that it has been something that has really haunted this team. Maybe a couple of the players feel like it's been driving them a bit. Um, but I, I think there's been probably some other setbacks that this team has had. You know, a couple of years ago, actually I guess it was like six years ago that lost the, the Pittsburgh and the and the and the playoffs really you know haunted this team for that off season. Um, this one, it seems to have driven them, certainly, but it doesn't seem like it's been the, the overarching kind of menace this season. With the departure now of Tyreek Hill, I'm sure we've heard a lot about him in the past couple of days, <laughs> week. <laughs> How has that kind of altered what the Chiefs are looking to do on offense, especially when you think about like how much attention that might draw now to Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt. I mean, the Chiefs' offense goes through Travis Kelsey, and it's it's going to until Travis Kelsey isn't, isn't here anymore. Um, it, it is absolutely going to be dominated by that. But you know, the Chiefs have gone out to rebuild that receiver room, and and certainly some of the things that they've done with Tyree Kill are still there. I mean, they've got some a lot of speed. They've got some of those shifty guys. I mean, Cole Hardman is you know was originally drafted as being a potential guy who could replace a, a Tyree Kill. Um, so they're certainly going to be able to do some of those things, but they've also gone out and found a lot of size, um, you know, with like Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Um, they've got some bigger targets, even, you know, Juju fits the Schuster, Schuster fits in that category a little bit. They've got some bigger targets that they can pro- they can do some different things with. And, you know, and, and, and Andy Reid even talked about maybe dusting off a few of the plays that he's got for bigger receivers. Um, and, and right now it's just been, you know, about trying to build some chemistry and confidence and relationships between this new receiving core and Patrick Mahomes. 
All that said, Matt, uh, Terry Kill is a force of nature on the football field and somebody that ever since he got into the NFL, teams have been trying to figure out or find the next Tyree Kill to no avail. He's a, 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 a one-man show, basically. And I want to ask you this. Are we overplaying or underplaying how big of a loss this truly is for the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, it's a good question because I think, you know, in some ways I think it's probably overplayed. In some ways it's probably underplayed. I mean, you know, I think you touched on the one way that we don't know how it's going to affect this team, which is how is it going to affect Travis Kelsey? Uh, he, Travis Kelsey's always drawn double teams. I mean, there's occasionally been times that teams have said, you know what, we're going to take away the deep ball. We're going to give a little bit more attention to Hill. But, you know, Kelsey's always gotten attention. You know, now is going to be a question, it, it, can other players step up so that, you know, that teams just don't even give more attention to, to, to Kelsey? And how is he going to deal with that? The one way in which this, you know, might just be overrated a bit is that the Chiefs became very, I think, two-dimensional, you know, especially uh, towards the end of last season. Uh, if the ball wasn't going to Hill or Kelsey, it wasn't going anywhere else. And that certainly seemed to be almost a, kind of a default mode with Mahomes, that when as the team was down, as the team was struggling, anything like that, he went to the guys he trusted, and that was Hill and Kelsey. Um, now he's going to have to spread the football around a little bit. It can't be that way. They can't be two-dimensional. Um, they're going to have to get other guys involved. And if that, you know, maybe forces a little bit something else out of, out of Mahomes, I, I keep saying, I mean, this, this Chiefs offense, can it, can it be as explosive as it's been in the past? Maybe, but it won't be the same offense. It's going to have to be different. They're going to have to evolve. And if Mahomes is able to do that and he's able to take advantage of what looks like a really good receiver group that's, that's pretty deep, you know, this team certainly isn't going to be as good with its top two pass catchers. That's just not going to happen. But if they're better at three, four, five, and six, this team, like I said, it can still be explosive. It may not be the same, but different might be actually just as good or better in some ways. Going behind enemy lines with Matt Derrick, who covers the Chiefs with ChiefsDigest.com. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Then with 13 wide receivers in camp, uh, were there any standouts? Did anybody start to stand up from the rest of the pack? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that the one that really stood out was, was Valdez Scantling. Um, the relationship that he and chemistry that he and Mahomes seem to have been building right now um, really stands out. Um, you know, during the offseason, instead of coming to Kansas City for that phase two of workouts, um, Andy Reid did phase one and phase two completely virtual. So it allowed the players to kind of do one things on their own. And one thing that the Chiefs did was Mahomes set up a camp down in Texas. And all of the, the pass catchers, running backs, tight ends, receivers, everybody went down to Texas, you know, for periods of time to work with, with Mahomes. And that certainly seems to have helped. I mean, because once they got to phase three and we were able to get onto the field, this wasn't the first time that they were catching passes together. And I, I, I think that phase three was probably a lot more productive for this team. Father Scantling absolutely stands out. Other guys have as well. Um, maybe some, some players who are, you know, really worth watching. You know, Justin Watson is a, a veteran been with the Buccaneers. I mean, he stood out. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously looks pretty good. What we haven't got to see a lot of is the, the rookie Sky Moore. He was hurt most of the offseason program, so didn't get to see a lot of him. Uh, the one that everybody's intrigued about is Justin Ross. I mean, he's the undrafted free agent from Clemson who was obviously so explosive as a freshman at Clemson before he had to have that back surgery. 
Um, he's kind of a wild card. I mean, we'll see what happens. But there's no doubt. You're right. I mean, 13 wide receivers in this camp. Uh, I think there's probably eight or nine that absolutely have NFL potential. Josh Gordon is still part of this team. Uh, they believe he resigned in the offseason. So I wanted to ask what your thoughts might be on him, if he can really make that comeback that I think a lot of people have been trying to anticipate and see if he still has it. Yeah, that was that was a real surprise that it just things just didn't seem to click last year. And certainly coming into a new offense, especially an Andy Reid offense, that you know guys do need some time to, to pick up and learn mm-hmm. can be a challenge. Um, but you know, Gordon absolutely looks the part. I mean, he, he's obviously once again another one of those big targets. He's got the speed. You can see, you know, the athleticism. I mean, he looks smooth on the field. Um, he's absolutely been in the mix. It hasn't been, uh, you know, where he's just absolutely stood out. But he and Mahomes have had, you know, a couple of really nice moments. And uh, he had, he kind of uh, one of one of Mahomes' no look passes last week that he didn't get faked that by, but the defender did. So maybe that's a, a, a credit for Gordon in his direction there. Matt, uh, let's just go ahead and assume that between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all the other uh, wide receivers um, and weapons that the that the Chiefs do have, uh, the offense is going to figure out a way to score points. There's there's just too much talent for that not to happen. Uh, so on the other side of the ball, it's incumbent on that uh, part of the team stepping up. And in this much improved uh, division, with the Raiders improving, the Chargers improving, the Denver Broncos improving. Um, are we not talking enough about the Raider or the, the the Chiefs defense and whether or not they're going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain in a very difficult division? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that that's where the question, the biggest questions are on the uh, on the defensive side of the football. Uh, certainly, Mahomes and the receivers, you figure they're going to work it out, but uh, the the defensive front didn't get a lot of pressure last year. They didn't get a lot of production. Um, you know, they they will point the Chiefs will point to the fact that said, uh, you know what, we were. We at least created a lot of pressures. Well, that didn't result in production. It didn't result in sacks, and it didn't result in keeping from other teams from throwing the football. So they've got to be able to, to get more out of that front four. Um, you know, hey, they lose Anthony Hitchens in the linebacker core, so they've got a young group with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. Leo Chanel is another draft pick this year. That's a young group that they need to mature and grow. And then you lose Tyron Matthew on the back end. And you also lose Javaris Ward, who was one of their top cornerbacks the last couple of years. Um, that's a young you know, secondary with a lot of changes that's got to come together. Um, they're missing a few pieces all across the defense that they've got to replace. You know, Melvin Ingram's another one of those guys they've got to replace. Um, it certainly seems like, especially with the investment during the offseason, hey, they spent two first-round picks on defense. That, I think, tells you what the Chiefs feel like and where they needed to put their resources this offseason and what they needed to do. Um, they did some work. Now it's just a question of was it the right work? You know, are these players that they brought in, are they going to fit? You know, how quickly can they develop? Because this is going to be a young defense this year. Speaking of that young defense, have they felt about hearing the likes of the name of the Devontae Adams added to the Raiders roster? I wanted to get your take on that as well as what the outside thoughts have been on Josh McDaniels coming to coordinate this offense now. Yeah, I, 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 to me, I mean, it's, you're, I think you're hearing all the right things out of the Raiders right now. Um, you know, Adams seems to be pretty happy with that situation, and he and Carr have a great relationship. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing that you know, with the two of them, the chemistry that they've had in the past, that it's going to be a, a long-term um, relationship building. They should be able to hit the ground running, you know, week one. 
Um, that Raiders offense, I think, is a concern. I mean, it absolutely should be. It's just going to be, you know, what can they get done defensively too? And I, I know that they've, you know, taken some steps over there as well. So I, I think the, the the Raiders. I'm really interested to see this off season. I think there's been a lot of talk about, you know, just what Adams can do for Carr and maybe help him get over the hump a little bit. Um, one thing, I mean, you know, Carr, you know, hey, he saved up some of his best performances against the Chiefs. I mean, and you know, there's no doubt. I mean, he's, he's proven that he can go head-to-head with this team. Matt, we appreciate your time, man. It's really good to hear you on. And uh, great stuff from the Chiefs Digest. If we get a chance, let's try before the season starts and see where we're at after training camp. That sounds great. Great talking to you. Well, hey, care, great everybody. talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Matt. Matt Derrick here with us from Chiefs Digest, also the author of uh, Showtime and At Last. Great stuff there. And, uh, yeah, that's that's very telling, especially, you know, in the in the offseason when the Chiefs offered uh, Justin Reed that money, the three-year contract. Tyron Matthew was you know, still kind of in negotiations to stick around with Kansas City, but apparently they wanted to get younger on defense. And regardless of whatever sort of leadership that uh, the Honey Badger would provide, they felt that could be easily replicated by Justin Reed and maybe with a couple other new faces that you know they could get stronger on defense. But is it any stronger than it was last year? Well, um, it's a great unknown. We're not going to really know until uh, they get on the field. But it wasn't working uh, last year. We saw that against the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, even though right. they obviously won that game. Uh, they had to go to great lengths to win that game because their defense couldn't stop anybody. Um, yeah, everyone was gassed. Right, exactly. So, uh, and that's that's really where. First of all, I think it's going to be way harder than people think for them to replace Tyreek Hill. Um, that's just such a unique football player that yeah, they're going to have to do it differently. But doing it differently doesn't guarantee that they're going to do it as good. So you almost have to assume that they're not going to be as good offensively uh, next year. And that puts even more pressure on their defense, a defense that I frankly think have a lot of, uh, has a lot of question marks. And, and um, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see where Kansas City is this year because of all the teams. We talk about this division getting better, and it absolutely did. But the one team that didn't was the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, did they stand pat when it's all said and done? Or did they take a step back when it's all said and done? And if they take a step back, that could be, in this division, that could be a pretty big deal. Absolutely. Especially, like he was talking about, you don't have a honey badger on the back end. So that is going to be, I think, a test for those in defense to mm-hmm. have to step up against. That's why I wanted to ask that this offense that we're looking at with the Raiders, how high-powered can it be? How will others look to try to even um, defend against the three-headed monster that we've been talking about. So I want to name the monster, by the way. So if anybody has any suggestions for how we name Renfro, Waller, and uh, Adams, just go ahead and start throwing them out. But yeah, I I thought that was uh, telling what he said, that there is some, you know, outside, you know, individual concern from another organization as to whether or not they're going to be able to contain that. Raiders were outscored last year for against Kansas City, eighty nine yeah. to twenty three. Yeah, that's a sixty six point differential. What have disaster. the Raiders? Well, it's, it was it was disastrous. How much have the Raiders done to close that gap well, against Kansas City? I know. I don't think Ruggs was on the field for either of those games, was he? I don't, no, he wasn't. I don't believe no, he so. He was out after game five. Right? And um, I, you know, I, to me, I, I felt like uh, Darren was was 
I don't know if he was in both those games. He might have played both those games, but he just felt like it was there was something going on physically throughout the throughout the year last year, and obviously getting hurt in, in Dallas didn't didn't help. So if you're looking at it from the teams that were on the field against the Kansas City Chiefs last year, absolutely they've gotten better. There's no question that offense has gotten better. Now it's just a matter of making sure everybody is able to play in those games because Devontae Adams changes and a healthy Darren Waller changes the entire complexion of the Raiders' offense. So I wouldn't expect the Raiders to get shut down the way they did uh, in, against, the, against the Chiefs this year, not with that talent that they have on the field. Right. So, I mean, the defense, too, just wasn't prepared in terms of having the right plays called at the right time. They were just getting burnt and chipped away. And Travis Kelsey, nobody could put a stop on him. So I I think there was a lot there to be said as well for what happened, not just scheme-wise, but with what happened with uh, being able to make stops. Like, the bleeding just wouldn't stop. (laughs) Yeah, and didn't wasn't I, if I remember correctly, I have to look back. But I think what what uh, Gus Bradley did defensively was right in the Chiefs' wheelhouse, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. played right into what oh, they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. So there we was, talked about that at length. Yeah, right. So there was a scheme <laughs> deal uh, a, a, as well. So uh, that's going to change to some extent uh, this year. We'll see. You know, if all the pieces fit and and everything fits in terms of what Patrick Graham is going to do in terms of calling the game. So that. You know, uh, if you're a Raider fan, you, you hope got better as well. Um, I just don't see those blowouts happening. I'd be shocked if the if the Chiefs Chiefs handled the Raiders the way they did last year, and I'd be shocked if the Raiders didn't win at least one of those games against the Chiefs. All right, we'll take a break on that. Thanks again to Matt Dirk and Mary Kate Cabot for coming on today. We'll talk about what did the Raiders do in that offseason that maybe can kind of offset at least something as a part of what the Chiefs do very well and maybe what the Chiefs may don't may not have this time around because when you give up 516 total yards to the Chiefs uh, in November, all right, what did you do to change that? And maybe we'll come back with that and we'll also get your thoughts as well on the Realty One Group listener line at 702-365-9200. It's the morning tailgate. Heidi, Vinny, and Clay, and you next. Um, you know, Chandler's been incredible, you know, since I got here. Um, he's a He's a great leader. Um, I think he's going to year 11 now. Um, he's got over 100 plus sacks. Um, so I'm constantly asking him questions. Um, the cool thing about Chandler is like he's one of the most humble dudes I've met. Um, he's super, you know, super humble for the things he's done. You know, he, he asks me stuff all the time and I'm like, it throws me off because, you know, I, I look at his career and that's something that I, I, I aspire to do. You know, um, he, he's, he's been incredible, you know, since day one and um, he's definitely somebody I look up to. Back here on Radio Nation Radio. Good morning, everybody. Heidi, Clay, Vinny here with you on this morning tailgate. And that was Max Crosby coming back. And that pairing of getting Chandler Jones and Max Crosby on that front line is going to be huge. Those two edge rushers right there, are that signals something that I think a lot of people in the league are starting to look at is that if you can start putting a push up against Patrick Mahomes, he will he will be his own worst enemy. He'll divide the field in half, run to his right, and next thing you know, the options for receivers in this offense become halved as well. 
and we've seen it time and time again. In fact, probably the best example of that is when the Raiders went into Arrowhead in 2021 in October and defeated the Chiefs one by ten. And it was that defensive rush that pushed Patrick Mahomes to the left and to the right and and really shortened the field for him. And the, and the secondary did a great job too, but really bolstering that defensive line this year, that is something that's going to play well for what the Raiders need to do to close that gap and that 66-point differential. Yeah, um, it was actually 2020 uh, that that that. Oh, happened. I'm sorry, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries. It gets all blurred. Uh, um, what, what year are we in now? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, October 2020. So I, yeah. I have another friend whose birthday was today, just side note, and like, uh, you know, everyone's texting him on this chat line that we're on, like, happy birthday, happy birthday. I'm like, I thought your birthday was on June 20th, and he goes, Heidi. <laughs> it, it, it is June twentieth. <laughs> Welcome to June twentieth. I thought it was tomorrow, and I didn't. And I'm staring at the date thing on my yeah. laptop, so I feel you, Clay. Yeah, I don't I even know. Uh, yes, yeah. in 2020, it seems like only yesterday when when Carr was going up to. You Grimm know what's saying, weird about that day? Why not me? The Lakers won the NBA championship that night in October because of COVID. Remember, they had a delay and all that kind of stuff. So oh. I was in. A, I was at a hotel in Kansas City watching. In uh, the bubble. Yeah, in I the forgot bubble about in, that. in October. Yeah, the whole, everything was kind of out of whack. But, you know, when you look at the they Raiders' defense last bubble. year, you guys, the Raiders' defense gave up 439 points, right? Mm-hmm. Against 374 points scored by the offense. They gave up more points than they scored last year. This is where stats can be really deceiving. Yet they outscored yet, yet 10 times. In their 17 games, they outscored the opponents. So uh, how many points did they give up to the Chiefs? 89. Okay. So, and how many points did they score in those games? 23. What's 14 That's and 9? Right yeah, there. 14 plus 9. Four, 439 uh, given <laughs> up to bad. 374 scored. It's basically those <laughs> two games. Those two games made it really here. deceiving. Well, and a lot of those games was garbage time towards the end, so the offense could have done, you know, you know, they could have put up some garbage points or whatever in the fourth quarter. It just never happened. But, and vice versa, because a lot, a couple of those games, if we look back at it, they were close going into the fourth quarter. But because the offense was so right after rugs and and um, especially after rugs, and then you had a new play caller, John Gruden got replaced, obviously. Um, there was a struggle offensively, and they would they would play the defense would play pretty well up until that last fourth you know the fourth quarter when they just ran out of gas. That happened a couple of different times where it was just like been out on the field way too long. And you look at this offense last year scoring twenty two points a game. There's no way they're going to score that many points this year. I mean, uh, that few points this year. They're, the Raiders defense, the Raiders offense, is going to score more than twenty two points per game. The key is. Um, can their defense, which gave up 25 points per game, actually 26, 25.8, can can they reverse that? Can they go to 26 points per game offensively and 22 points a game defensively? If they do that, this is going to be a special season. Gus Bradley's uh, defense uh, did not work well against what the Chiefs were doing. Yeah, um, and I think maybe that philosophy change can will will really uh, benefit with what Patrick Graham has kind of already instilled something that you know we're going to have many different looks, but we one thing's for sure is that. That's not going to be. We're going to play fifteen cornerbacks. Aren't going to be playing fifteen yards off the ball. They're going to be press coverage. I would like to see that kind of change too. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have the talent to do that now, Heidi. Yeah, they do. Um, we saw Anthony Averett. It was a stat you brought up, Vinny. Uh, it ranked PFF in press coverage is in the top ten. Tenth in the NFL. So, oh, yeah. yeah, bring that up. So yeah, yeah that's uh, didn't I? No, no, no. no. Yeah. What were the <laughs> I'm like, numbers? I thought on... I just did. No, no. Well, uh, Vinny said it in the break, but yeah, that's yeah. right. So a guy like Anthony yeah. Averett, right there, that that tells you like this is going to be a different philosophy and mindset for the corners that are on this team now. Yeah. 
So that I think is going to be really helpful. You have, you know, Trayvon Diggs at the top of that pack, but um, that just gives you some idea and perception of what they're really looking at with a guy like Anthony Averett. I mean, um, Mashawn Lattimore is up there too from the Saints. He's one of the, and Jalen Ramsey. Those are all guys that when you think of them, like, wow, they're you know really at the top of their game. So to see Anthony Averett on that list as well is really impressive um, and, and what he's able to do amount of times that he's been targeted versus the amount of times that he's been able to make a play on the football that broke it up and didn't allow the catch that it's uh impressive um when you look over that yeah and we've we've been talking about this uh a lot i think i i think that there you know uncertainty about the uh, about the cornerback room is definitely warranted uh, but i think so much of it also is it's just because Raider Nation, Raider fans haven't seen these guys in Raider uniforms. Um, yeah, that's you know, right. and yep. and even Trayvon Mullen was a guy that we didn't really see last year. Obviously, um, him being hurt. So the uncertainty is the unfamiliarity with these guys as Raiders, and then Trayvon Mullen coming back from an injury. If they can hit, um, and if if some of these guys can play, you know, as they played in 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 other stops in their career, or just simply last year. I think the secondary is going to surprise some people. Right. I think is like, and this is a note that they made here on the article of PFF that uh, I was looking into was saying that Anthony Averett, you know, they don't know how much press he'll get in Patrick Graham's system. Right. There's so many question marks, I think for us here, um, someone earlier, I think his name was John Suso was talking about, you know, well, there wasn't a lot of, of blitzing in the cover three, mm -hmm. um, just something that I was saying. And I think it was to the promo that was on air, but, uh, Patrick Graham doesn't blitz a whole lot either. If you look at his resume with the Giants um, and other teams that he's been on, uh, and you know, it's really not there. It's I think twenty five ish percent, which I think Gus Bradley might have been just at twenty three twenty ish percent. So it was just right underneath it. Yeah, and um, you know, there the, the philosophy is whoever your four pass rushers are. Get the pressure on the quarterback by those four uh, players, and mm -hmm. then let everybody else uh, deal on the back end. Mm -hmm. But you know, when we talk about press coverage and using guys the way you've used people before, uh, I go back a couple of years ago um, when Marcus Peterson got traded to the uh, Rams, and Wade Phillips was the head coach. And Wade Phillips is a traditional three, four defense, two press corners, mm -hmm. uh, blitz. You know, let two guys play on an island, and 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 all that. And and that's what he asked Marcus Peters to do. Um, but he's not good at that, all right? And he was getting torched through the first half of the season. Finally, Wade Phillips said, you know what? I'm really doing this guy a disservice, man. It's my fault because I'm putting him in positions where he's just not good at that. And so they revamped the defense to make Marcus who he was, which was a guy that could sit back in zone defense and read the quarterback and make plays off of that. He turned his season around. The, Ra the Rams' defense got turned around. They ended up going to the Super Bowl that year, um, and and it was good coaching. It was a coach that's, that understood, look, uh, you know, I can't be stubborn here and just do what I do and expect a guy that doesn't do that very well to do it and put him in bad situations. So that's when we look at these writer quarterback, cornerbacks, whatever um, you know, Patrick uh, Graham has done, we also have to account for, but that does that fit with what these guys do? Yeah, and I think uh, especially when they have to go and find all those acquisitions, like in the cornerback room and and, and for all the defensive backs that they brought in, they all seem to uh, you know follow what Patrick Graham would want 
out of this real revamp defense. But even Nate Hobbs spoke about it a couple weeks ago, talking about the comparison of this year and last year in that DB room. I think honestly, it's just as competitive. Like I got the I got the amazing opportunity to play with um, last year with Casey Hayward, guys like Casey Hayward, Brandon Faison, um, a lot of a lot of good players, and I think. Same dynamic. We just brought in a lot of guys who could play. Like we don't got a true star in the in the DB room, but everybody to me, everybody could play. Like it's gonna be a battle at every position. So, see, maybe what there was last year was that there was there was that star power, but what was the depth behind it? It was unproven. Um, now this year, you have a lot of competition. A lot of guys at the same level. You know what I mean? Where there's not going to be a major drop off from you know, uh, any particular starter to where the second team is. It seems like everyone is at a very similar level. Well, and we just brought up how you just brought up Anthony Averett being uh, the tenth ranked press cornerback in the league. Presumably, if if Trayvon Mullen is healthy, he's coming off the bench. He's in the he's in you know he's going to play a lot of football, no doubt mm-hmm. about it, because of the way um, you know personnel groupings go. But when you talk clay about the depth now when you have when you can you know when your fourth cornerback is a guy that's ranked 10th in the NFL in press coverage that's a pretty good deal right there yeah, and the injuries that Mullen has gone through have been concerning, let's not lie. You know, I mean, it's been toes and and everything else he's had to be on injured reserve and there's just things that have but it was only a one year thing, right? If it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the, so. the, the year before, he, was... he, he didn't miss a lot of time uh, his first couple of years. I mean, his first year, it took him a little while to become the starter. But that second year, yeah, he'd get dinged up from time to time. But it wasn't anything yeah. that kept him out of games. Last year, he had the foot injury early on. Uh, we never really got a good grasp on what exactly that was. What we do know is. He did have to have surgery. Yeah. What, and that, that's, right. you know. And so no doubt that that's a question mark, but I, I don't think that he's injury prone is what I'm saying. Like last year was something happened to the foot, and sometimes that happens. Uh, but but otherwise, I think he's a fairly dependable player uh, f- from, from a health perspe- perspective if that foot is healthy. All right. So to my point, what I was going to say was that Trayvon Mullen, you know, we just don't know yet right. if he's going to come back the same, True. if he's going to be um, as mobile as he was. Mm-hmm. You don't know because it wasn't specified what the injury exactly was. He was, you know, on IR for a better part of nine weeks. So those are things that I, I wonder about. You know, a lot of yeah. people have put him in as a bounce back candidate, but it's just when you come off of an injury plague season where a lot of stuff wasn't really disclosed and you had to have a surgery, then it, it, that to me raises some flags of, is he going to be back to being the guy that he was when he came on you know, heavy and hard earlier on in his, you know, it's a short career he's had so far earlier on his career, you know, like in 2019, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But let me flip that question on you. If you're Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham, the fact that you didn't go out and really, uh, uh, um, you know, fortify that position a little bit more, doesn't that yeah. give you a little bit of confidence that no. they feel pretty good about? <laughs> I have confidence that they brought in the right people, but I'm not 100% confident that Trayvon Mullen will be the same player that he was until I see him on the field. True. Well, I wonder what happened last year because around December, before the Washington game, he was designated to return, but instead Brandon Faison was taking a lot of that time in that spot. I wonder what uh, what he happened. Got hurt when, again. Yeah, it was uh, it was like he suffered a foot injury, you know, yeah. week four. But 
that uh, did that persist? And they got to make yeah. sure that that doesn't persist again because yeah. whatever that was, did it take time to heal, or was there something that uh, you know that was even further? Because sometimes, as you see, like how an Achilles injury, you got to be careful of what your calf injuries are next when you come back out, out of that surgery. Right. So does that foot injury? Because foot is so ambiguous, we don't know exactly, exactly. specifically what it we is. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. Was it a toe? Or was it a foot? Was it you know? Then um, you go back. You know, to in the 2020 season, he had a couple of different injuries from shoulders to hamstrings to neck. So when yes, he, he got rocked a few times. Yeah, and the shoulder He's was a, a little more careful. the shoulder was an issue. So that that's something that you, when you think about the the variety, yeah. you have to like you're saying like you don't know which one it's gonna be that was the because you don't I don't think I don't think you go to surgery for your toes every time I've been or had anybody that had a toe problem and the doctor I know I'm not they're not playing NFL football but the doctors usually look at the toe even it's broken like my sister had a broken toe and they were just like yeah well tape it up. Like, Which is what he put some dirt on it. I think. I think last year he definitely tried <laughs> so to got it out and tried to hope that time healed all wounds. Um, but but the, he did come back and it didn't. And so so that's the reason. The, to me, the surgery says, you know, whatever therapy, whatever program he was on, it didn't fix the issue. Got to go under the knife here and get it corrected. And from what I'm told, uh, right around training camp is is the target for him to come back. That's, so that'd be a good a good time to get in there. Then we then we could talk more about it. Yeah, because yeah. this is a dogfight at, at corner. I love seeing this kind of competition take place where uh, you're not really sure how this is all going to settle out, but you got guys that are being paid to take over the starting role, like Anthony Averett, $4.4 million. Let's take a break. We'll come back on more of this on the other side on how much did the Chiefs or the Raiders close the gap with, between the Chiefs from this year to last. Back after this on Raider Nation Radio. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on R&R 920 AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Sam and Ash text line. Text the keyword R&R followed by your message to 69187. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you say a clean slate, like everybody has that. You know what I mean? The, the good thing about being here is whether you're a veteran, a new guy, uh, the first thing that we're preaching in, in that room is competition. You know, so it is good to have veteran guys in there that have done it before. But everybody knows whether you've, you've played in the league before, uh, you know, or fresh out of college, like this is this is going to be an opportunity because it's a new scheme for everybody. You know, it's a very unique situation uh, where we are young, but it, it's fresh for everybody, even if you're a veteran or a new guy. So competition is what we're trying to breed in the room. That's Las Vegas Raiders defensive back coach Jason Simmons. As we're back here on the morning tailgate, Vinny, Heidi and Clay. And, you know, I, I remember back when Simmons was hired, he was like the second defensive assistant that was hired after uh, after Graham was hired as a D.C. and then Chris Ash, then Simmons. And it seemed like they wanted to make sure that that secondary got figured out right away. So they have the right not only philosophy in place, but then go and get the right guys that right. fit that. Yep. But there's something that, uh, you know, that Patrick Graham's uh, you know defense will do. That will be a little different than Gus Bradley. We kind of talked about it. Maybe the the coverage is going to be more press on the corners. But for the defensive line, it's not too different than what maybe Gus wanted before. Rush the quarterback, create turnovers, create some havoc, create pressure, because other things will happen as a byproduct of that. But we don't necessarily need to blitz a whole lot to get there, especially if we have those kinds of guys up front that are going to give that push naturally. Yeah, when you, when we talk about blitzing, uh, that that that's that's an indication that you're not getting it done with your four primary uh, rushers. So you have to devote an extra body, mm-hmm. a fifth body, 
or sometimes six, uh, to the pass rush. And sometimes you have to do that. You have to throw uh, a curveball at the quarterback and try to create something um, or just make a play. Sometimes it's, a, it's just a simple play call, you know, freeing up a, a, a Jonathan Abram or, um, you know, uh, or Nate Hobbs to go make a play. But typically, uh, Heidi, uh, Patrick Graham likes to try to do it, get to the quarterback with as few bodies as possible, and that's four. Uh, your four-down linemen or however they're constructed, that's constructed, get to the quarterback with those four players and then have seven players be able to defend the pass. Right. Uh, you think, too, about what he does, and we talked a lot about it. Just uh, It's anarchy. It's <laughs> that's something I read when I, I was uh, doing – my my research on Graham last week and uh, anarchy, the fact I love it. that yeah that he it, it was the one thing that stuck with me how he disguises um, how he, there was a sack that came about through two man coverage and dime personnel and the the safeties were like high and low in in the in the in the scheme and it, it confused I think the way that the quarterback was looking at and processing the safeties and it's just something that it, it makes it fun to think about what he can do in this system with the talent that he has. And on top of it, you know, like I was talking about that blitz rate. Well, I looked up, there's a couple places I have a little different night. Maybe it's just because some of the stats are kind of right. immeasurable and mm-hmm. how you look at whether it's a blitz or not blitz. So some of them had it as a 27, um, Percent. One of them had it as 25%. Either way, it's right in that zone. Um, and, and, you know, the Raiders now are over with Martin. I mean, the Raiders, the Giants have Martindale now, who's complete like blitz nut, right? Exactly, so yeah. it's like they went complete opposite way where, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I think, interesting. But it, now when you think about how the Raiders defense can look, it's like you're talking about, Vinny, with the, the scheme up front, the pressure that you create there, and then just when you start thinking about um, the coverage, that's where I start to wonder how he can design one that's going to confuse the likes of some of the great quarterbacks in the AFC West. I you know, I don't care what Tyreek Hill says. Patrick Mahomes is still one of the best. So Justin Herbert, always growing, always developing. He's been touted up there. And I think there's a reason for that. You have a lot of guys to think about how to stop and how you're going to not just defend against them, but to confuse them. How does the anarchy come into play? Yeah, and, and and you know sometimes you almost have to get to a point where you're talking about some quarterbacks, uh, uh, Clay. That good luck confusing them, you know. And and like a guy like Patrick Mahomes, uh, maybe early on you can throw him off a little bit, but he's gonna genuinely figure yeah. you out. Yeah, you know. Uh, so and that makes it even more incumbent that you know forget all that. Just get to him and force him into, uh, you know, having to to leave his comfort zone, having to throw on the run, uh, those types of things. Sometimes when it comes to quarterback, like you rookie quarterbacks, and some of the quarterbacks, we'll talk about this later this week. The Raiders are going to be in a in a favorable position playing some of these young quarterbacks mm-hmm. that they're going to face. Mm-hmm. Um, that they can do that. The confusions and all that kind of stuff is going to work. But when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, and I think Justin Herbert fits into that category. Good luck with that. The way you beat them is to get after them and 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 create havoc around them uh, so that they're making throws in positions that they're not comfortable, don't want to, uh, and that, like you said, Clay, leads to turnovers and things like that. Do you feel that um, the linebacking uh, position is something that maybe it is set up to be a lot lighter than normal uh, because of the pass coverage needs that will be asked of them? 
because you know it almost seems like linebackers have a certain DB uh, philosophy behind them too. That it's not just uh, something that's going to be there to uh, pred- you know, be predicated to stop the run, but they are designed to go and, and face air battles. Some a lot of air control that'll be happening. No doubt about it, and that's why um, you know when Heidi's down on the field, she sees us all the time. That's why a lot of times you're going to just see one linebacker out there, or yeah. maybe two. Because they're such, um, they're they're put in such a, a a difficult predicament in terms of having to stop the runoff and then also defend the pass, and 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 it just becomes a matter of physics. Like guys that big aren't built to 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 be able to defend and keep up with players that are that small, a slot wide receiver, or running back, or and sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, with a tight end who's can run and and is big too, so it's just a, it's a bad situation for linebackers. And that's why you see so many of them coming off the field in favor of more defensive backs. Yeah. So again, I'm a Patrick Graham. I, I'm just I I I want to start seeing things unfold on the field. There's so much we can go and process and dissect from the tape beforehand. What came before, but I want to see how he works with this team. Uh, I'm I'm just looking at headlines up here showing Patrick Mahomes. Will he go on a revenge tour? Like, <laughs> there's just so much stuff, you know, in in this season that's coming up that's going to be intriguing. That's going to be interesting. I mean, think about the teams that just got fans back last year. What that energy will feel like again in front of the fans in another year where uh, it's a lot of people. I think really need the sport right now mm-hmm. yeah, you know you see what's going on i was just out there oh, i yeah. haven't seen public in a long time like go, I, I don't go out i'm a homebody so when I, I see how the world is feeling like i got a little taste of that in the past couple of days and just seeing that the need for people to gravitate towards something and something positive watching a team sport unfold i mean i think that's fun and everyone can go out and go ah and i think people need that right now absolutely and i think when it comes to the raiders there's expectations too you know, not only outside their building, but inside their building. And I think it's so we, – we talked about Wade Phillips and changing what he does to fit the personnel that he had. Now, when Jalen Ramsey came back or they, they traded for him, he was able to go back to being a press corner guy because Jalen Ramsey is one of the best at that. So yeah, keep to leave too kind of had his own role kind of. Definitely. Sure that, yeah. uh, so he adjusted back to, to the personnel. And that's where the Patrick Graham thing, uh, Heidi, is, is so intriguing and why you say, again, we're, we're hit, sitting here talking about it and analyzing it and looking at old film. But sometimes you got to throw out the old film yeah. uh, because it, it ultimately, good coaching ultimately comes down to what do you have to work with and how are you going to uh, put what you have to work with to its best use? Mm-hmm. And that's why, like with even McDaniels, I say that a lot. Like, I know what he did in New England. I want to see what he does with the Raiders. Is I think it'll be different, and you know, not not a lot of the same. I think there'll be things he takes away, like how he utilizes his slot receivers and his tight ends. He, he's heavy on play with both of those positions, and he's got two of the best toys to play with. So why wouldn't you? But it's even if you rehash some of that old stuff, yeah. is, is you know, is it a successful? Play that you've drawn up for an athlete that can execute the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's what's going to be fun. And um, the play calling aspect of it, the sweet sequencing. Um, you know, right. what mm-hmm. do you what what do you do against that particular coverage? What do you uh, in that particular situation? And I think he's top of the line in that regard, which is why 
it was surprising seeing that list um, where he wasn't even in the top six. But again, I it could be that um, it's 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 recency bias. I, I know it wasn't exciting off New England offense last year, but to me, it it, it had to be constructed that way because you did have a rookie quarterback, and as Heidi just mentioned a little earlier, he was an okay quarterback. Mac Jones is he's not Joe Burrow, he's not Justin Herbert. If 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 Justin Herbert or Mac. Uh, um, uh, uh, who, or, or, or yeah, if Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow was the was the rookie quarterback or young quarterback in New England. You would have seen an entirely different New England Patriots offense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he just didn't have it. And uh, let's face it, I think that's where we should go next because we'll talk about this list that came up by Pro Football Focus, and it's about the elite play callers in the NFL. And where does Josh McDaniels sit on this list for Pro Football Focus? We'll tell you what that means coming up next, and we'll also hear hear some sound from Devontae Adams. Heidi was at uh, his football camp over the week. And there was a good Q&A with Devante talking about, you know, what's in store for the Raiders this year, what he wants to do and the great uh, camp that he provided for the youth here in Las Vegas. You know, and when we talk about the Raiders offense, we're talking about the potential of inflicting pain on the opposing defense. But that comes in points and yardage and things like that when it comes to real pain, physical pain. There's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope, and far too many of us are in that situation. Well, the Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. We all deserve that. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. 